Bad soil is also a cause of flooding and a cause of drought. So if we restore the soil, that water that comes in the form of rain will be able to be held in the soil and it will replenish all of our aquifers, okay? And so it's not always that we don't have enough water, it's that we don't have the soil that can hold on to the water. And that creates runoff, droughts, um, fires, you know, all of these things that we're dealing with right now. So it's a big deal. This is The Medicine Podcast. I am Mimi, mushroom queen, AHCC educator, and culinary nutrition expert. I am quite obsessed with providing the unique knowledge for those that want to prevent disease in their body, in their mind, and in their relationships. If that's you, then you are in the exact right place, my love. Let's go take the medicine. Hello, my lovers. You who choose this podcast in your ear holes because you want to expand your life, broaden your horizons, increase your consciousness, and overall just live a happier, richer, healthier life in all aspects. I hope you realize how incredible you are. Today, gentle listeners, I have the pleasure of speaking with Autumn Smith, who is the co-founder and beautiful face of Paleo Valley. You will hear all about her personal story and how it brought her to the work that she's doing today, which is so critical for all of us to fully understand. This interview might be the first time that you're even realizing that there is a problem with the soil on our earth. Before we really uh, started partnering with Paleo Valley and choosing their products, I don't think I even fully grasped how much of an issue this is, not just for our current world and environment, but for our children and their children. Soil scientists estimate that about 75% of the soil on earth is degraded, which means that we have about 60 years left of growing before things really become unglued. Unless someone does something, unless we do something which we definitely can. When Chase and I discovered the much needed work that Paleo Valley does with regenerative farmers, one, we immediately started supporting them, and two, we knew we had to do our part to get this information out to the people who need to hear it most. Consumers, listeners, you. Y'all are going to love Autumn's personality. She is bright and bubbly and shiny, but also has done the hard, dirty work of understanding this intimidating farming industry so that their company can really help people choose better and simultaneously support our earth. The products that Paleo Valley provides are top freaking notch y'all um we are basically obsessed the 100 grass-fed grass finished beef sticks are one of my favorites they allow me to choose a convenient and delicious healthy option during my busy work day when i'm fulfilling orders all day or interviewing and editing podcasts um, and because paleo valley only sources from regenerative farms that is farms that are helping to restore the earth, the soil, and ultimately humanity. When I eat one of their beef sticks or superfood bar, I'm doing what I can in that moment to support these farmers that truly need us to step in, 
vote with our dollar, and create the demand for better. If you want to get in on this regenerative action and help us in supporting our earth and humanity, you can check out the link in the show notes, which will get you 15% off of the grass finished beef sticks, which are my favorite. Um, And for any of their other products, just use the code Mimi when you check out at paleovalley.com for a hefty discount. All right. Enjoy the interview, my loves. All right, you guys, welcome to The Medicine this week. This episode is just going to drop all sorts of knowledge bombs on your mind. Um, I have a very special guest with me along with my co-host, Chase. What's up, everybody? So blessed to be here. I'm so excited that he gets to join me on this one. We have an incredible guest today. Um, You are going to learn so much from her. She is the wonderful, beautiful co-founder of Paleo Valley. Uh, Autumn Smith, welcome. Thanks for having me. Like I said, it's truly an honor. Um, Excited to be here. And you guys, what you're doing in the world is wonderful. Oh, thank you. Yes, thank you. Well, we have a ton of questions for you. So I'm going to jump right into the first question that we ask every single guest is, what do you love in your life? What aspect of your life do you love so much that you wish you could gift it to every human? I loved this question and I gave it so much thought. And the one thing I kept coming back to was this relationship I have with my husband. Mm. And I know it's not going to always be a husband. It could be a partner. It could be a friend, but just, I noticed all the positive changes that happened in my life kind of happened after I found him. The reason he's so special to me is he's just got this patience and knowledge and wisdom and this stability that has kind of allowed me to feel safe enough to explore all the parts Mm. of me that I didn't want to see before. And I say without him, I wouldn't have evolved. There would be no company. I would probably never have gotten over my digestive issues. And so for me, I just hope some, everyone has experience of having someone in their life who makes them feel so safe that they are able to become the best version of themselves. Cause that's what my chance has done for me. Mm, I feel that. And it's very close, Chaz and Chase, because that's, I think I told you that <laughs> exactly there. yesterday. Yeah, there's, some, there's something beautiful there. I and, totally uh, get that. We, we look up to you guys 100% and uh, it's uh, super motivating and encouraging to see what you guys are doing. So love that. Yeah, that's awesome. I, uh, I want to know more or we want to know more about um, your personal healing story. I know it's an incredible one. Um, but first, um, that was a perfect little segue into my next question. Um, it's, it's rare that you see a functioning couple working in the world together and still loving each other at the end of the day. Um, can you share what what's the best part of working with your husband on your passion and are there any challenging parts oh such a great question because yeah i went into this it was his idea he was like he was so smart way back in the day to know okay when we're starting our lives together we need to look at what do we want to prioritize like what is important to us then we build our careers around that and everyone my family oh i don't know if i'd work with my husband but what i've found is If you have the right partner, again, who's that stable and wise, and you know there's going to be challenges, and you know that there are going to be tricky parts, but you also acknowledge that this person will be able to push you in ways no one else will, and will be able to bring parts out of you that 
no one else will. And so the best part is he holds me accountable and uh, in a way that no one else will. And he also makes me feel safe enough to be as creative as I could be. You know, when we're always worried about what other people might think and we're not close to someone, you know, it's kind of we have these walls up. And so Chaz and working with, I mean, we've got a lot of family on the team is absolutely challenging, but I think it is a wonderful, wonderful thing because we all push each other and we all love each other at the end of the day. And so I think that has allowed us to go a little bit deeper and a little bit high, reach a little bit higher. And the challenging part is that you're working with family. Yeah. <laughs> and it never, it never stops. We have to be really intentional about, okay, this is work stuff. And that stops at five, five to eight. We're with our son, we're present, and we're not talking about the nitty gritty at work. And on the weekends, we go away with these same people that we work with, and we just don't, don't talk about it. But I think working with family and people you're close to is amazing. And I wouldn't change it for anything, even on the hard days when I'm like, you guys are really annoying. Um, I still would choose it because I think at the end of the day, it will make us all the best and we'll create the best products for everyone else too. I know that's legitimate because we're now what seven months into this COVID madness. And for people to have said that prior to COVID, like, oh, I work with my significant other and my family. It's like, all right, okay, cool. That sounds good. Now try to live with them 24 seven, work with them 24 seven, like shoulder to shoulder in the same space. For us, we're in a condo and uh, we've literally had to set up these like containers for us. Okay, this is work hour. Now we need to like meditate together decompress together and then sit down for dinner or sit down for activity. It's been quite the challenge, but such a beautiful opportunity to put that to the test. Yeah. Right. And it works for us. Yeah. Within those boundaries, there's like freedom when you can like, okay, well, this is for this. And I know I'm going to be a mom at this time. And that means I can really be focused here and I can be mad at you for a second, but then also remember you're my husband and then have a nice dinner. And <laughs> you know, yeah, it definitely yeah. works. I don't think it would ever work otherwise. And I know people are just having to get used to that dynamic, but at the end of the day, like if you are the right, you know, people both committed to working on themselves and working on the relationships, you can do it. Yeah. It's yeah. Both possible. people have to be all in. It can't be one or the other. It has to be mutual commitment to making yourself as good as you can, you know, improving every single day a little bit, and then also improving the relationship and then also improving the business a little bit every day. Um, but if you can do it, man, it feels like, it feels like it's such a gift. It feels like a little secret of the universe is like, all right, I get this. Like, it's just yeah. all it's all all good. Yeah. Well, I, I want to get into um, a little bit about you and your background. Can you share a little bit about yourself and um, maybe a, um, a snapshot? Because I know it's a, it's a quite in-depth story, your healing journey. Can you explain what went on for you and what ultimately led you to create Paleo Valley? It's funny because if you told the people I went to high school with and grew up with that I would ever found like an organic food company, they would be astounded. Like nobody can believe it still because I was a bit of a wild child. I will admit it. I had a lot of like uh, digestive issues that were unaddressed. I grew up in a small community and so we didn't have resources. The experts that we saw didn't know what to do with me. And so soon after I didn't address those, I mental health issues started to come into play because there's this gut brain link that we didn't know about back then, or at least we did not know about it. And so, yeah, I started getting into substances because I was in pain. I was anxious and I didn't know how to calm down and the pharmaceuticals weren't helping. And 
And, you know, and I did that until I went to college. I made it through college somehow. I got kicked out of my parents' house in high school, but I stuck with it because learning was always a big deal to me. It was just something that really like lit me up. And um, then I met Chess, like I said, and I was down in LA and we were having a good time and I was like, not really that focused. But like I said, when, when I met him and he saw the pain I was in finally, he just kind of said, what, are you living like this? Because he had always seen me with a smile on my face, just like making everything happen. Everything's okay, I'm fine. Um, but he could see right through that when he really got to know me. And so we like pursued experts down in Los Angeles. Nothing came of it because I didn't know what to do. I had IBS. But what he did is he got online and was like, we're going we're gonna to figure this out together. And we did. We stumbled upon the paleo diet. And, um, you know, my digestive issues went away within 30 days. And I was wow. actually working for Tracy Anderson. That's crazy, right? Over a decade I was suffering. And I was actually working this incredible job for a woman named Tracy Anderson. Um, I had a dream job. Like I was training celebrities and going on world tours. And I was so inspired by the fact that after suffering for over a decade, I felt well, instead of just looking fit, because I had always looked fit, but I wasn't feeling well. And so when I, when I found that missing piece, I had to go back to school, got my master's in holistic nutrition, went on a world tour. By the time I came home, I realized I needed to be a place where I was with my husband. We decided, what can we offer people? Like, what does the world need and where do our unique talents, where do they meet? And so we knew products had to be our focus because we were, we were known as the ingredient snobs. And we wanted everything that met up our standards so that we could feed our future family with our products and keep this, you know, new vibrance and um, wellness that I had kind of finally found and so we just started creating products wild pastures came a few years later after we had our boy maverick and we started to realize okay yeah people need to be healthy and that's like the first piece but this environmental piece is really huge and impending and you know they estimate we have 60 years of topsoil left and so we all of a sudden realized that we might see a day where our maverick couldn't grow his own food and that terrified mm. us and so we founded wild pastures as kind of like two join that effort of regenerating our soils and um, making people aware of the power of regenerative agriculture. And that's, that's how we got here. So what was the, what was the span of time uh, from when you were in pain and getting that under control till now? That was, I think I've stumbled, I went on tour in 2012 and that was maybe a year after I figured out about this diet piece, so 2011, about nine years ago, about a wow. decade ago. Wow. At this. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, I really want, I, I want to educate our listeners on what it is you all are doing, not only creating amazing products, but also what it is that you're doing to educate the consumer and each one of us individuals um, and how we can all play a part in restoring our environment. Because like you said, you kind of mentioned it a little bit there, 60-ish um, years of topsoil is what they're, what they're estimating. For someone who doesn't understand fully what that means, because I think people think, well, yeah, there's like dirt all over. What does that even mean? 60 years of topsoil left. I want people to really understand how, how much of a problem this is. All right. I want you to think about something for me. When was the last time you thought to yourself, man, my immune system feels really good. <laughs> I'm going to guess probably never. 
because when our immune system is functioning properly, we don't really think about it much. Now, when it's not operating at its full potential, things like HPV, chronic fatigue, HIV, hepatitis, diabetes, autoimmune issues, Lyme disease, cancer, arthritis, or other chronic issues kind of get our attention, right? Then you might think more about your immune system. If you're dealing with one of these chronic issues, or maybe you're healthy and you just want a way to prevent them and keep your family healthy too. Either way, I have good news for you. You can give your body daily immune intelligence with AHCC. It comes from shiitake mushrooms, so it's literally safe for all of us. And remember, AHCC regulates the immune system. So it's not boosting or suppressing. It's actually recognizing what your body specifically needs and then delivers that to you. AHCC doesn't fight the disease. AHCC heals your body and then your body can heal the disease. If you want to grab some, go to getmimifit.com and click on Mimi's store or just scroll down and find it in the show notes below. You can heal. Don't give up. You can count on HCC. Okay, back to the interview. Right. Well, okay. So after World War II, we started changing the way that we were doing agriculture and, and, and technically um, it's all been an extractive form of agriculture, right? We are taking out, we are clearing land, we are changing the ecosystem in a way to support us. But as of right now, it estimate, estimates are about 75% of our soils are degraded. And so there's a difference between soil and dirt, right? And so this is kind of like, you see that like chocolate cake dirt that is just like crunchy and like sticky and like full of life. And then on right now, what we're dealing with is this dirt, this stuff that's like compacted. And when you take a plate and you put like a piece of bread on one plate and then like flour on the other, you can see like the piece of bread is soil. The flour is just dirt. And when you have the rain come down, if you do this experiment at home, I've done it a lot, you'll see that the water will go into the bread. It'll fill those little nooks and crannies. That's like living soil. That's what we need to have happen. Whereas if you put it on the flour, it'll just run off. Now people are thinking, okay, well, soil is growing our food. And that's exactly right. So not only is it, we won't have soil that breeds food that has nutrients. So for the last two generations, the nutrients in our soil have been going down because of the fertilizers, because of the pesticides that we've been using is killing the biology in the soil. Now, this is really cool and probably super nerdy, but the plants that come from the ground, right? They have this beautiful relationship with the soil. So they're taking carbon out of the atmosphere. They're pumping it. They're turning it into carbohydrates through the process of photosynthesis, and then they're pumping this liquid carbon, carbohydrate, into the ground where these microbes take it up and eat it, okay? So that's like their food. And then in return, the um, minerals that are in the soil, those microbes help them access those minerals, okay? So when we use pesticides, we're killing that biology. We are destroying that relationship between the plants and the minerals. So even if this dirt has the minerals, if we kill the biology, it doesn't matter. Our food won't have the minerals. The animals that eat that plant mm -hmm. won't have the minerals. And so there's a few things at play. It means we might see a day where we're so nutrient deficient and unable to grow our own food that we all become less healthy than we already are. 
really scary. But the cool thing about soil is that it also means that with this continued degradation of our soil, our water isn't actually being absorbed. Mm. Because like I said in that one demonstration, bad soil is also a cause of flooding and a cause of drought. So if mm. we restore the soil, that water that comes in the form of rain will be able to be held in the soil and it will replenish all of our aquifers, okay? And so it's not always that we don't have enough water, it's that we don't have the mm. soil that can hold on to the water. And that creates runoff, droughts, um, fires, you know, all of these things that we're dealing with right now. So it's a big deal. It means we won't have food. It means we might continue to see these big, scary environmental concerns, global warming, more drought and flooding. Um, and so, yeah, that's what I mean by 60 years of topsoil. <laughs> I'm deal. so curious because this makes so much sense to me and, and your, your metaphors are beautiful and incredible. What is the pushback to this? Like this seems like it should be a no brainer. Here's the thing, kind of what happened before, but we have these big companies who are kind of, who have not only created a government that's like subsidizing these big crops, right? Corn and soy. And um, so Farmers are reliant on that, but also they're creating these chemicals, these pesticides um, that are supposed to make our work easier, but actually farmers today are really struggling, right? In this model, they're not profiting like they could be from a system where they're actually regenerating the earth. And so I think we've just gotten stuck in this cycle where these big companies are kind of in a way taking advantage of the people working on farms today. And they're also presenting science to say, oh, you know what, these chemicals, they're not really that harmful. Until you realize that Monsanto has about eight to 10,000 different lawsuits against them right now for, you know, creating pesticides like glyphosate that have been linked to cancer. And so, and I also think it's, I understand farmers and it's a huge paradigm shift. And it takes so much work. And a lot of them haven't even reached this, they haven't even gotten this new information. They did not know how the soil worked until very, very recently. Soil scientists are still discovering all of these really, really beautiful relationships. And so I think the pushback is big companies, but then also just lack of awareness. And then not only lack of awareness, like if you ask a farmer, okay, go ahead, take a chance. Don't have these subsidies anymore. Just go ahead and make your farm regenerative. But they have families to feed, communities to feed. And so it's, it's, it's totally understandable that if you don't have a set, something set up for them, that's a big gamble. And so that's what exactly what we're trying to do, create the demand, be that middleman, because farmers don't want to market themselves. They don't know how to do that, you know, even if they are doing the right things. And so it's a lot of things at play, but I do think big companies, misinformation and lack of infrastructure are probably the main ones that are impeding this. Yeah, that's, that's beautiful. I, my, my brother-in-law and his entire family has, has farming up in the Willamette Valley, uh, specifically berries. And um, you would think that in this sort of COVID climate, um, that this type of information would start to surface and this level of education and awareness around um, soil and regenerative farming would be something that is coming to the surface. However, I'm a business mind myself. What you see is these smaller mom and pop family style organic farms that haven't built out the margins as that of these giant corporates. Um, okay. They're crushed by this economic crisis, by, by this, these new regulations that are being put in place for the workplace. And so it is more important than ever that, that we, like you so eloquently put, um, as sort of the medium, the messengers, the marketing behind this 
approach to farming that should be told uh, really step up. So I, I'm so glad you've articulated it the way you have, because now we mm-hmm. can continue that message. Yeah, absolutely. And just, I want to reiterate that it's not necessarily for us today. Yes, we all want to be healthy. We want to support our environment today. I think anyone listening would agree to that. But it's also having some measure of forward thinking, right? And thinking that maybe a shortcut, maybe these pesticides that were invented by a human, maybe this isn't the best way. And maybe what we need to do is get back to nature and let nature do its thing. Because correct me if I'm wrong, but once we kind of pull out the man-made and let nature do its thing, soil and our environment does return. It does reestablish that health quite quickly, right? Oh my gosh, it's so beautiful. So I work with one of our favorite farmers and he's constantly sending pictures. He's got a really great story, actually. He used to work in the GMO field until his dad got Parkinson's. then they began to realize, wow, this is might be contributing. And so he sends me photos all the time of his farm before when they were using the traditional practices and now, and it's just like this lush, this beautiful landscape. And then we have like Gabe Brown, who's kind of in your hood. You're in Idaho right now. He's got a farm over near Bismarck, North Dakota, and they are just thriving. He says species are coming back. Birds are coming back. Bees are coming back. And the cool thing about this regenerative process is like life begets life, right? So when we're regenerating the soil, that means there's more plants. That means there's more animals that are going to come. And that's what we need. These monocultures, a lot of times, even if they're organic because it's different sometimes than regenerative they are not natural they are still like killing and ruining habitats and just not creating this diversity and this multi-species situation that we really really need to move forward successfully and like you said yeah it, there is a conversion time and, and context is everything. So for every farm, luckily we have things like the savory hubs who can come out and teach farmers wherever they are, what they can do to kind of expedite, expedite this process and hold their hand. Um, but yes, yes, I think it was, I can't remember which farmer it was, said like their, their son went and counted like 140 different species just on their farm. And think about that also from a food security perspective. Like if we just have one food, something happens, um, we're not in a good place. But if we have all of these different species to work with, um, it creates the security. And I love that you brought up like food sovereignty. Like when you have these big corporations who are buying up the smaller corporations and then this decentral or the centralization of power occurs, what happens is they're not thinking about the local economy and the environment. These decisions are made by people way away from your communities. And so as consumers, we have to, have to, have to support the people who are doing the work in our area because they're the ones that are going to be regenerating the soil and turning this all around for us. Uh, that's perfect. And, and literally perfect cue for my next question, which would be, hey, we're sitting at home. We're listening to this podcast, maybe in the car, maybe at home. Uh, maybe we watch a compelling documentary uh, along the similar lines. What can we do as people, normal people, um, to put the power back in these farms? Yes, you can get really curious. There's like these tools, I can share it with you. Um, You can actually locate farms in your area. We have an operation called Wild Pastures. And so we're in the Denver area and we're in the Phoenix area. And what we've done is we've talked to these farmers. We've made sure they're using regenerative practices. um, And then we connect them to the consumer. We deliver it to people's doors at wholesale prices. Because our thing is, 
yeah, we know regenerative meat, regenerative products are the way to go, but if consumers can't afford them or find them, we are never going to be able to do this at the volume that it's really going to take. But aside from that, if we're not in your area, there's a place called, I think it's Eat Wild and also Cornucopia Institute and Organic Food um, Consumers, Organic Consumers Association. They all have food locators. And so find out about the regenerative practices in your area, just go, just a little online search and go, go meet them. Mm. Go ask them the hard questions. This is what we have to do. There's something really special about knowing the people producing your food and about giving them that feedback. Like, wow, you know, I really love what you're doing. This is important to me. Mm-hmm. That's going to make the producers in your area do things a lot differently and give them a, the momentum that they need if it is in fact kind of a leap or a gamble that they might be taking to make the transition to these new kinds of practices. It's like the real life Yelp. You can walk into the farm, you know, you can talk to the farmer directly. You don't need to look at customer reviews. Yes. So, so if somebody walks into, say they have a local farmer's market and there's several different farms or um, farmers there, what are a couple questions or maybe just one that a consumer would ask aside from just, are you organic? Because you can pay for that certification and do nothing regenerative. Can you give us a little bit of feedback or hints on what we would want to ask the farmer specifically? Yes, this is great. So organic and regenerative are different as you just alluded to, right? So there's organic certification, you know, sometimes they're going to come, they're going to measure things. Did you have pesticides? But they're not, this is the big thing. They're not measuring ecological outcomes necessarily. I'm not saying all organic farms aren't, but it's something you have to ask like, oh, okay, how are you measuring this? Are you measuring soil organic matter? Are you measuring um, species? What kind of species do you have on your farm? Are you using pesticides at all? Is there animal integration? Are you using animals? And if you are, here's an important distinction. Are you letting them graze continuously? Which, because grass fed is unregulated, so they can be grazing continuously, which will still break down the soil. Or are you great? Um, are you moving them from pasture to pasture? Are your animals ever fed grain? Are you doing a no-till? Do you plant cover crops? And I know this is overkill and you're never going to do that, but you can just choose these questions and oh, when a will. consumer, yeah, maybe, yeah, make a list. Um, there's like six practices to regenerative and versus like least disturbance. So we're looking to like keep the bio- soil biology kind of going. And that means we're not tilling if we can help it and we're not using chemicals. And then it's living roots. And so we're really focusing on this process of photosynthesis and trying to make sure that we facilitate in every way possible. Um, and also soil armor, so planting cover crops, animal integration, and then also context and increasing biodiversity. So those are just some key points that you can ask them about. But the big thing I would say, are you using chemicals? Are you measuring ecological outcomes? And are you integrating animals? And are they rotationally grazed? Those would be my top three. Perfect. Awesome. And if you're open, maybe we can get these written out and I can include them in the show notes so that someone could take this and and not have to remember, but just go talk to the farmer. Um, Ooh, can I add one more thing? So this yes, is the cool absolutely. So when I was in, I think this is when we were Studio City, and I had this my favorite little farmer. I can't remember his farm for the life of me. But if you're not able to actually go to the farm, he gave me a really great piece of advice. Um, Google Earth. He said, ask the farmer where their farm is. Go onto Google Earth, and if you scroll in, you'll be able to see if, in fact, the practices that they are 
claiming to be doing are in fact what they're doing. Like, are there animals on pasture? Does it look like, you know, they're using a lot of chemicals? I mean, you can't always tell, but, but Google Earth is your friend too. You can kind of verify if you're not actually able to drive there. So if somebody were to look on Google Earth, you would want to see animals kind of scattered rather than a whole bunch of buildings with, with wide open blank pastures, right? That means that they're inside probably eating corn or grain. Yes. And exactly. Not a bunch of animals. Like there can be thousands, hundreds of thousands of animals like crammed in these small spaces. You want to see lush pasture. You want to see a lot of different types of vegetation. You want to see the uh, the cows being moved from plot of land to plot of land. Um, it should be beautiful. When you see these farms that are making the transition, they are amazing. They're just like a sight to behold. So yeah, you can tell. You can tell. Not only just great for the environment, and obviously the meat is so much healthier when they're eating what they should be eating, but also think about you listening. Think about the stress level of that animal, right? And the emotions that are going through that animal. They're literally from the day they're born to the day they die. They Every day is stress. Every day is stressful. What is manifesting inside? And we're getting a little bit into the woo-woo, but it's true, true. <laughs> what is manifesting inside that animal that then you are making, when you eat it, when you consume it, you are inviting all of that energy and that those negative emotions and stress maybe some diseases, stress-based diseases into your body, literally becoming your tissues. Mm. Oh, I just think that's so important. And we actually interviewed Temple Grandin. Do you know who she is? No. Uh-uh. Oh, she's um, one of my favorite people in this space. So she actually is autistic, but is also a huge advocate for animals because she understands animals on a level most of us don't. So she created um, these humane guidelines to create the least stress for animals um, through this process of slaughter. And you can see, they did a documentary, Claire Danes actually played her. Uh, and so you can watch how she created this method. But I, I think it's important to realize, and um, you can say humanely raised, that's not a regulated term. You wanna see certified humane by like a third body practice too. But yes, regenerative animals generally, I'm not gonna say people who are raising animals conventionally don't care about them. I think they do. I think farmers, great people, but I do think their life is inherently stressful, that they're standing around, they're overcrowded, they're eating inappropriate feed and they're suffering. And it's funny because I went out one time and this is woo woo and there's no way to confirm this, but I went out and I usually eat grass fed and grass finished. And I went out to this restaurant and I just had the most violent dreams that night, like just mm -hmm. violent. Like I don't even want to share them, but it's just something I don't usually experience. And my little woo woo heart, <laughs> <laughs> that's what that was that was that that animal might not have had a, a great life or there's mm. something about that so can't confirm it but just want to throw that out there I feel I'm with you know on the topic of of animals you know um into my just so much of my curiosity is around around meat and um I've had the fortune of having Paleo Valley's uh beef sticks and and turkey sticks which everybody are absolutely incredible um, you know, most of us may not have, we have busy lives, right? We may not be able to do some of the due diligence that we would love to, or have intention to do like looking up local farms and all we have to do is walk into a grocery store. And even sometimes we're on the road, we're on the go and we're hungry and we need something that may not be available to us. That's where you guys come into play with Paleo Valley's products. Um, but give us if you will, a checklist of sorts, we walk into the grocery store, we're going into the meat section and we're looking at beef chicken, turkey, 
what are some of the critical pieces that we should be looking for if we can't ask the farmer directly? This episode of The Medicine Podcast is brought to you by Real Mushrooms. Okay, so you're listening to a podcast with a giant golden mushroom on the cover art. You've heard me shout from the rooftops about the amazing healing dynamic intelligence of mushrooms, and you're curious. You want to start incorporating some mushrooms into your daily routine. This is great, but I've got some good news and I've got some bad news. We're going to start with the bad news. If you go to Google and search mushroom powder, there are about 122 million hits from that search. I know because I did this. And the majority of those supplements are not actually mushrooms. Wait, what? How is that possible? Well, it comes down to anatomy. What you're actually getting is the mycelium, which is the root system of the mushroom that's grown on grains like rice or oats. Then these grains become inseparable from the mycelium and end up in the final product that you think is pure mushrooms. It'd be like if you went to the farmer's market and wanted to buy a pear. Then the farmer hands you the roots of a pear tree with all the dirt attached to it. That's not a pear and this is not a mushroom. Sometimes the company itself doesn't even really know what they're selling because they're likely buying from a third party supplier who is buying from the actual source. It's like a really bad game of telephone. All right, here's the good news. There are ways to know for sure if your mushroom products are legit mushrooms or if they are some mystery combination of very expensive grains. Later on in this episode, I'm going to be sharing with you five ways to tell if your mushrooms are legit. So stay tuned, my loves. Oh, I love this question. And there's just so much deception and labeling. Okay, so let's start with beef. <clears throat> grass-fed is an unregulated term, right? And all animals are grass-fed for the majority of their lives. It matters what happens at the end of their lives. Are they going to a feedlot and being grain-fed or are they rotationally grazed, uh, finished on grass? But again, you're not going to see that in the label. Now, 100% grass-fed seems to be slightly more regulated, but it's always like, you can't be sure. But if, if worst case scenario, you just go with 100% grass fed. And if you have the time, the diligence, the desire, just look that company up, just like find out a little bit about their practices. So that's beef. When it comes to chicken, oh man. So these free range, these cage free, they're really kind of deceptive in that it can actually look like free range or cage free um, can be in a warehouse where they have thousands of chickens and then there's a little door over here on the edge and they could go outside but they're not even necessarily going out to pasture it could be another block of cement and so that those aren't ideal i know people think they're better and i could argue that they are but we want to look for pasture raised okay pasture raised and ideally on a farm where they're integrated with other animals because they all work together synergistically um eggs same thing if you can get pastured that's amazing. Um, and pork, pork is so hard, right? It's hard to find a good pasture raised source. And one of our favorite farmers, um, John Arbuckle, 
has actually done research to show that conventionally raised pork, like pretty much everything you're going to find at the grocery store, has like an omega-3 to 6 ratio of like 35 to 1 actually omega six to three. That's a very inflammatory ratio. Okay. You want that to be more around one to one, but the pork that he raises on his farm when they're feeding a lot of grass and other things, um, or like whatever, you know, like kind of like scraps and just like being really creative that they're feeding them instead of grain, you can get closer to like a five to one. Um, and so pastured pork, I'll admit really hard to find my boy, John Arbuckle. He does a great job uh, over at singing Prairie farms and they actually have like pork sticks. So I'm going to give them a shout out. They do a great job. If you want a really high quality, non-inflammatory pork, I would check them out. Um, but yeah. And I like people to know that 95% of what you're going to find in the grocery store will not be, they're going to be raised in like factory farms. Okay. And that's exactly why we felt the need to create wild pastures. Cause even if you go in with the best of intentions, we understand people are so busy and they don't have time to educate themselves on all of these deceptive labels. And so just know most of what you're going to find isn't going to be this quality, unfortunately. Um, but that's why you can order online. And like, this is becoming a much bigger thing. Like Paleo Valley, we only source from regenerative farms for our beef sticks, for our turkey sticks, for all of our products and wild pastures if we're in your area. Yeah. And you're giving so many, so much love to other farmers, which is, which is so fantastic, but I want to shed so much light on what you guys are doing specifically with your products at Paleo Valley, uh, which by the way, we're going to be getting a, a discount to all the listeners. I think it's code Mimi at checkout. Um, we'll put that in the show notes for sure, but maybe go into a little bit more about, um, your products, specifically the, the, the meat sticks, as well as, uh, the organ complex, which in my personal experience, um, I, I take the meat sticks anywhere I'm traveling. Um, constantly I'm finding myself hungry for, and, and I've, I've given up on protein bars or protein smoothies on the road. Um, similarly with jerky because it's a farty party every time <laughs> I have this garbage and put it into my body. And that is not the case with, uh, with paleo Valley's products. Um, and then additionally with the organ complex, like I started taking it about 60 days ago and my level of, uh, endurance whether that's energy or even just sort of my mental capacity has this very sustainable long burning um sort of endurance effect and so i'm curious if you can speak to some of these um oh. things that i'm hitting on uh what all are you guys doing what what's the magic here oh i love you said that and we're gonna have to use the no farty party in our <laughs> marketing somewhere i mean i feel like that just belongs i think that makes uh, sense <laughs> but okay the beef sticks. So I get you. I get you. I have that sensitive stomach. And again, we're creating these products so that I can use them. Now, what's cool about our beef sticks is like you go to the store and you want a meat stick and then there's like sugar and there's MSG and there's gluten and there's really poor quality raised beef sticks. But then there's also this ingredient called encapsulated citric acid. So even in the clean sticks, even in some pastured sticks, if you see citric acid on the label, what's happening is they're taking like um, citric acid, which is often derived from GMO corn. And then they coat it in hydrogenated oil, which we all know you don't want to be putting in your body. Everyone can acknowledge that by now. But then they melt it into the product. This drops the pH and they don't have to label it because it's a really small amount, right? I don't know. For me, that's a big deal. So we took that out of the equation by fermenting them. And I think that's why there's the no farty party element because it's actually fermented. So this meat contains probiotics that are helping it to be absorbed and assimilated. And of course, you know, all grass-fed finished and then all organic spices. So 
And we don't believe sugar belongs in meat sticks. We want to just have clean protein that I can give to my little guy. And he loves it. There's one that has a slight honey thing going on. That's the teriyaki flavor. But other than that, they're like zero carb. They're just keto friendly. They're paleo friendly. They're, they're everything friendly. So we also have summer sausage, which is like those little hickory smoked summer sausages. They're my favorites. They don't have garlic. They're the only one. I don't do garlic well. Um, <clears throat> so anyone out there with like garlic issues or FODMAP issues, just want to throw you a bone there. And then AIP, our turkey sticks are of course pasture raised. And they're also autoimmune paleo protocol friendly. I know there's not a lot of snacks going on for that community. And so we just wanted to give everyone a high quality option. Now our organ complex, I love that you brought this up. So they did some trials with rats where they basically, they know liver has this anti-fatigue factor, right? Athletes have been using it forever. My brother runs marathons. Uh, God bless him. He will, before our complex, he would take liver in a shake, grind it up, drink it in the bathroom during a shower in case he had to vomit just because he knew the liver gave him such great endurance. I know. I hope he's not mad for me sharing that, but this is true story. And so in this rats, what they did this experiment, they gave one group of rats like a regular diet. Then they gave another group of rats like B vitamins and a diet. And then they gave the other group of rats desiccated liver or what's in our complex. Then they drop them into water, just see how long they'll swim. And so in the other two groups, they swam for like 13, maybe 17 minutes tops. With the ones who got the liver, they were swimming like 68, like 80 minutes. And finally, they just had to shut the experiment down. They were just like, okay, this guy's going to just keep on going. And there's people, there's like 60-year-old men. I love to get these testimonials that are like, I have this vigor. And I'm doing, you know, sit-ups and push-ups with just, I'm feeling like my best self. So, yes, that is why we made it. Um, I used to want to do a happy dance when I had liver, but I just couldn't stomach the taste. And so we took grass-fed liver, kidney, heart. They all have their own little benefits, but liver is that has that really um, potent anti-fatigue factor. And we just put them in capsules so that you can just eat them. You don't have to be in the shower. And you don't have to potentially vomit. <laughs> we still get all the benefits. Megan and I, we, we both you know, have idolized the Ben Greenfield's Aubrey Marcus's of the space who've always said nose to tail, right? And so that means yes. adopting organ meats into your diet. And we've both had a hell of a time trying to get these things down in all reality. So your uh, complex that comes in a capsule, everybody, has been an absolute gift to our lives. And um, I don't know if you want to speak to that also. Yeah, I'm actually going to start taking it more. You're inspiring me. I know it's good. Um, Chase loved it. And so I was kind of like letting him, you know, use the organ complex. But um, I think especially... Uh Sorry, microphone issues. Um, especially for me, and I know a lot of women are iron deficient. And no matter how many iron capsules I take from top shelf supplements, I I know innately that you know food over supplements. And um, I think um, by incorporating more of these organ complex capsules, that um, I would probably see my iron levels and energy levels, especially around my cycle, um, shoot up. Which I'm really excited to get into and kind of experiment with myself. You know what? I'm so glad you brought this up because I learned this little tidbit, like I think like two months ago, that in 1934 there were three physicians who got a Nobel Peace Prize 
for the discovery that liver cured anemia. And most people, like you said, a lot of women have low levels of iron, they're taking iron supplements, but what, what liver has that iron supplements don't are these other nutrients that help iron to be absorbed. So liver, if you look at it, just on the nutrition label, it's not gonna like blow your hair back with the amount of iron, but it has retinol and it has copper and it has B12 that all kind of tell your body, this is how you use it, this is where it goes, right? And so it isn't always about just those taking whatever you're missing in isolation it's about leaning on food that already has this synergy and all these nutrients are just like helping each other out and so yes women liver in a capsule i can't give medical advice but yeah. if i had low iron <laughs> that's what i'd be doing <laughs> yeah absolutely you're you are absolutely inspiring me and i'm gonna i'm gonna get on it um to the same point for women's health, um, I heard mentioned in a separate interview that that you actually have um, seed cycling bars. Is that correct? Oh, you know, here's the thing. Yes, we've done them. They're finished. They're done. The R and D is done. We will put. We have so many things coming down the pipeline. But yes, they will be. They will be available soon. They are done, and I'm excited. Right? Seed cycling. Do you do that? I don't enough, but I'm absolutely going to with these bars. Can you speak to a little bit on, um, if you can, if, if, if it's not bursting the surprise, um, can you explain why seed cycling is important for women? Oh, it's so awesome, right? So it's just this like traditional practice where you take pumpkin seeds and flax seeds in the first half of your cycle. Now that means like day one through when your cycle begins, through 13-ish, okay, so a tablespoon of flax seeds and a tablespoon of um, pumpkin seeds will help kind of like give your body the nutrients that it needs to produce progesterone. So progesterone and ovulation happening in mid-cycle, it's kind of like the big event, right? And a lot of women have trouble with ovulation, but if we don't have ovulation happening as it should, progesterone production will tank, and then our estrogen to progesterone ratio could suffer and that creates a lot of hormonal chaos. And so having those nutrients from the seeds that are gonna help ovulation happen. And then in the second half of the cycle, we have sesame seeds and sunflower seeds, again, a tablespoon of each, which is gonna help promote like uh, estrogen detoxification. Because if we have estrogen like hanging out, lingering in our body, um, that's gonna create issues, create, create an additional burden for our body and our hormonal or balance is really, really important. So if we have these hormones just like recirculating, recirculating, you end up with a situation like estrogen dominance. And again, that's linked to a number of health issues and like an increased risk for cancers like um, breast cancer, uh, prostate cancer and things like that. So seed cycling is so awesome because it's a simple thing you can do at home. And I say simple, it's relatively simple that <laughs> you can do at home and it's all natural and it seems to work really well for a lot of women. If you're not cycling currently, you can cycle with the moon uh, instead and take your seeds and try and work back that way. But yeah, mm. it's it's been incredible for a lot of people. It's taken PMS symptoms away. I have a client I'm working with right now who wasn't ovulating at all. And it's one of the techniques we've been employing. Uh, and it seems to be really, really helping. Some people also cycle their fatty acids, like um, fish oils. There's a lot of things you can do. But why I decided to put them into bars is because I am committed to my health. I'm diligent, probably a little bit crazy about the lengths that I'll go to to feel great. But seed cycling can be tricky. Like every day, you know, you're storing the seeds, you're trying to figure out how to get them in your body. And I just wanted women to have a way they could like, oh, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna eat this bar today. 
And yeah. so when we do release them, there will just be like, you'll get a box and you'll get 12 of one flavor and 12 of the other for each day of the period. So mm, I love that. I love, I just love how much intention is behind that. And it really seems like a little bit of a white space because I, I know the benefits of seed cycling, but there's still something about it, like you said, that is a little bit, not daunting, but it's just like one more thing, right? And I was like, I know it's going to help me, but I got to get out the door. And so having an option like a bar, um, and it's from a company that really um, has your best interest in mind and they're not going to, you guys aren't going to pack it full a ton of sugar. That's the thing with bars is there's usually more sugar than any other nutrient in the bar. Can you speak oh. to your other superfood bars? I know you have some other great ones. Yeah. So that, that makes me so angry. Right. And that was me. I was living off of bars when I was a fitness trainer and having the same stomach issues that Chase alluded to. And it, it wasn't pretty. So I was like, these are not protein bars. These are carbohydrate bars and they often have these crazy additives. And so we wanted to create a bar, not only that didn't have the gluten or the soy or any sort of refined sugar, but that also actually had nutrition in them. Cause yeah, a lot of people today, you know, are living off of bars, are living, you know, they're trying to make so many things happen in their life. And when they're just not eating gluten and stuff, they're still not getting the nutrients they need. So we created our bars and then just added things like acerola cherry and kale and spirulina and things that you can't actually taste, but are in there. And then also grass-fed collagen, because like you said, eating nose to tail is really, really important. And if you're not eating a lot of collagen, we wanted again to find a delicious way to put this missing piece in our diet back into everyone's repertoire. Just mm. something simple, something delicious, something that didn't have sugar. And um, yeah, our food bars, we love them. People love them. We have cinnamon apple and chocolate right now. And we're so committed to quality that we actually opened up our own bar facility because our last food manufacturers were kind of um, disappointing us in terms of their quality control. So we now have our own bar facility and we have a red velvet coming and a lemon meringue and a pumpkin spice and a Woo! vanilla. Yes. I, I, and I've known you guys for, for some time now, um, but you guys, this isn't marketing near as much as it is empowering and uh, education that's coming from Paleo Valley. I kid you not, you know, I, I've exhausted the world of bars. And, and in fact, I've given up really until, until now. I'm, I'm actually like very encouraged and I can't wait to try these bars. Um, I have exhausted the world for a bar that's going to meet my threshold and meet my criteria. One of them, like we talked about, is, is due to the sort of gas effect post-consuming post the bar. Um, but additionally, there's so much sugar in most of these. And they, may call, they might call them protein, right? Might be protein on the, on the label, um, but then you flip it over and it's got 20 grams of sugar. Even, I'm, I mean, I'm, I don't accept even, you know, 10. And I'd rather have that in a fruit. I'd rather have that in a whole food later in the day than get it in a bar where you're taking essentially a plate full of whole foods and putting it into a compact, tiny piece of, of food. And for, for me, someone who likes volume, that is that is simply unacceptable. So I'm, however, I am I am very encouraged and can't wait to try these. He is seriously yeah, like if he if the, these bars pass Chase's test, y'all they're they're good enough for everyone listening. <laughs> I've seen the scrutiny he with the auditor mentality looking at, and we really we both do. I I don't look at the front right like you don't look 
at the front of the bar or, or product, whatever it is that you're looking at, look at the back, look at the ingredient list and the sugar content. And don't be tricked mm -hmm. because it's the ingredients. You'll get sugar alcohols. Something might show up as zero, but there's so much keto fluff out there right now. Um, oh, heads up everybody. Right. And so that's why we are so committed to not only supporting, but working with brands like Paleo Valley who are not trying to dupe the consumer. You're not trying to like, oh, maybe they won't figure this out. I love so much and I want to speak to um, how transparent you guys are. And if something's not right, if something isn't working out with your fulfillment or your manufacturers or whatever, you fix it because it's like, that's the only way. And that's how we are too with our business. It's like, if something's not sitting right, I'm not going to feel good about this from here on out. And it's almost like for the consumer, yes, but also for my peace of mind as well. Do you feel that at all in what you guys do? Are you kidding? Yes, I am built. I have this conscience. And that's exactly why we did the beef sticks because they're like, well, you know, you guys, this is the industry standard to use encapsulated citric acid. No one's not doing it. And I sat on that for about a day and I said, I cannot, I will not sell a product that has hydrogenated oil and GMOs in any amount. I will not do it. I cannot do it. I wouldn't sleep anymore. I would quickly deteriorate. It's just not how I am. So yes, thank you for bringing that up. I am such a stickler. We both are. And that's exactly why we had to create our company. Yes. I love that. And you're creating foods that you, that you can give to your son too, right? Like take your, I mean, we can get by with a lot of things as adults and whatever, but like, I don't, I don't, we don't have kids yet, but I can only imagine like just wanting the absolute best. And once you know, once you know what's in that bar or company X's beef stick or jerky or snack or whatever, you can't unknow. Nope. And so I love that you're just like, well, we can't find it. So we're just going to make it for Maverick. Okay, for all you mushroom lovers, as promised, I'm going to share five ways you can tell if your mushroom products are legit mushrooms or if you've been paying for very expensive myceliated grains. First, if the product says US grown, it's likely myceliated grain. Second, check out the color. If every one of their products looks like the same shade of beige, it's probably myceliated grain. True mushroom powders should vary in color. Third, you can do a taste test. Mushrooms are very earthy and sometimes bitter. If it tastes at all sweet, it's likely myceliated grains. Fourth, look at the ingredient list. If it contains fancy sounding words like myceliated brown rice or oats, mycelial biomass, full spectrum, primordia or exocellular compounds, that's myceliated grains. And finally, you can tell it's legit mushrooms if it comes from the company Real Mushrooms. You can probably guess why they chose their name. Real Mushrooms are the highest quality mushroom extracts I can find. They are 100% mushroom, certified organic, they have no added fillers or grains, and they are third-party tested multiple times. 
You can add their mushroom extract powders to things like coffee, tea, smoothies, or oatmeal. Or they also have capsules if you're on the go. My favorite real mushroom product right now is the Lion's Mane, and my man's favorite is the Cordyceps. For a hefty discount on real mushroom powders and capsules, go to realmushrooms.com slash Mimi. Real Mushrooms and myself are committed to bringing you only the best. We got you, boo. Okay, back to the episode. I know. Isn't it crazy? It's all about Maverick. And he's just, he's, his little body is such a sensitive body. All those little kids are. And so you put a little bit of sugar just a few times a day. It matters. It matters in his, you know, mood. It matters in the amount of tantrums. It, it just, it matters. It matters to us. And yeah, he is the reason for most of our products. And we're actually moving in a few directions that will further expand our line to be really, really kid friendly in the near future. So all about yeah. Maverick. I love yeah. that. Uh, another thing I definitely wanted to address, and anybody who listens to the medicine knows, uh, we are big fans of apple cider vinegar here. It's a it's a daily consumption on our end. You know, I'm putting it in literally everything. I, I love the taste of it personally when it's mixed with a few different pieces, a um, little salt, maybe add a little, uh, you know, doTERRA orange essential oil in there. Um, but what specifically, because I I always joke that I, I went to the University of Bro Science, and so I constantly muddy the waters of any sort of fact-based scientific benefit to any sort of supplement that I'm taking. So clarify for everybody who's been listening to the medicine where I speak of ACV, what they can expect from consuming apple cider vinegar, and then specifically what you guys offer. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I love apple cider vinegar too. So my uh, product, our apple cider vinegar complex came, I decided, okay, Chaz and I love this guy. We want to live till 110 together. So I was like, I need a daily cocktail that you will agree to drink uh, because you're married to me. And so I started with apple cider vinegar because what I see, the more I studied nutrition, the more I realized our biggest opportunity here is to make sure we're metabolically healthy, right? too many carbs for our body and all of us, you know, you know I don't even know, like 30% are diabetic, you know, so many more are pre-diabetic is a big deal. And so apple cider vinegar has this really unique ability to stabilize our blood sugar. Okay. They do it in type two diabetics. They've done it with pre-diabetics. They've done it with people, just normal people. And what they find is just the simple addition of vinegar, tablespoon, two tablespoon, the doses can vary depending upon the trial but that they'll like give you a piece of bread. And what they'll see is the blood sugar surge after you eat a piece of bread, it's mitigated. It becomes far more stable just by drinking apple cider vinegar. So that's one incredible benefit. Um, and if you have stable blood sugar, they know centenarians, the people who live a really long life, have stable blood sugar, okay? So that's piece number one. What they've also found, and that a lot of people love our um, apple cider vinegar complex for, is the cravings. So I think it's related. They're not exactly sure why this happens, but when you drink apple cider vinegar in the morning, you don't have cravings. I have a hunch that has to do with this blood sugar stability, because if you don't go up and down, your body's not craving as much. But they've found in trials, people could eat up to like 275 fewer calories a day, just again, by adding the apple cider vinegar. Another thing is the acetic acid component. It helps um, regulate something called AMP-K, and that is just an enzyme that comes in, helps us to kind of prevent fat storage. So people are noticing that just, again, through the simple addition of vinegar, they're able to like lose pounds um, specifically uh, around their waist. And another one of the benefits I love to talk about that is less documented scientifically, but still I think just as valid, is its ability to help digestion, okay? So a lot of us have low levels of stomach acid. 
this is normal from stress, this is normal from age. Um, what apple cider vinegar can come in and do is help our stomach be acidic enough to kind of grab onto those minerals because we need a really certain acidity in our stomach in order to be able to digest things, specifically our protein. And so you don't see a lot of trials around this, but again, why would someone do that trial for a natural food? There's just like not a lot of money behind that because people can't profit from it but clinically I work with a lot of people uh, and I see this benefit them and then I also hear it from other practitioners and if you just do a quick Google search everyone says it all of these practitioners that uh, apple cider vinegar will help promote digestion through its ability to um, acidify the stomach um, so those are like my four main benefits weight loss fat loss longevity stable blood sugar reduced cravings um, and improved digestion and the reason we put it into capsules was because I uh, have a fitness group called Radiating 28. And I was telling everyone, go drink apple cider vinegar. I created this thing called Ignite Tea. We drank it every morning. And then one of my dentist friends just reached out and said, Autumn, like apple cider vinegar is really hard on the enamel. And like, you cannot be telling these people to do that unless you're also telling them to drink it through a straw. What I also noticed is my drink didn't just have apple cider vinegar. It had turmeric, it had cinnamon, it had ginger because they all have a number of other benefits on their own and people weren't wanting to mix it. They're like, oh, this is so annoying. So we just put it into capsules so that people could just take it or open it up and drink it with a straw or whatever. Just again, to make those ancient healing foods uh, really, really accessible. Uh, that's, that's absolutely perfect. I, I'm so glad I'm aligned. Everybody out there, if you're looking for something magical, try a little apple cider vinegar twist off one of these capsules from Paleo Valley, drop it into some water, drop it in with a little cinnamon, a little doTERRA or your essential oil of choice, orange essential oil, and then add a little Organifi immunity. Mix it all together, throw in some ice, post dinner digestion magic. We call it the orange sky. It's yeah. delicious. We Chase started drinking this um, after dinner and he, he just kind of like put it together like on accident kind of and was like, oh my God, this is so good. And then- I started drinking it and now it's like our ritual. After dinner, we drink this orange drink and now I'm thinking instead of pouring the apple cider vinegar, we could just open up the Paleo Valley yep. capsules and mix that with Organifi Immunity that has its own host of benefits and nutrients. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's really, really good. And apple cider vinegar, just to let you all know, is a it is an acquired taste. So if you don't want to go through that and you just want to take the, just want to take the capsules, that's, that's really nice that you're making it that easy for people again. I know. Yeah. It's like, I got to meet people where they are and I could say, yeah, I drink apple cider vinegar. A lot of people won't do it. So here, we're going to help you do it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's our goal. I love and that. that. Drink sounds I want the recipe, please. Yes. I, I will that. send it to you. Also, I'll put it in the show notes for you all. Um, so, as we kind of come to a close, because I want to be mindful of your time, and I'm just so grateful that you were able to come on and educate us and our listeners. Is there any last piece of advice in addition to supporting Paleo Valley because you guys have things dialed in and you're doing most of the grunt groundwork, doing all of this every single day? This is your passion. This is your mission for the world. How can we as listeners support regenerative farming as a whole? And um, how do we do our part for the environment? Mm, 
Such a good question. And I would just say that, like we were talking about in the beginning, this regenerative agriculture piece, like people did not understand the potential, but a lot of people say, well, can it feed the world? Well, I don't think we have a choice otherwise. We know the model that we have today is not sustainable. So we really don't have a choice. I also think people need to realize like you have a vote for what you're gonna tolerate in the food system three times a day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So just a little more curiosity around what you're eating and finding the best quality. And I know it's difficult, but if you just dedicate say five minutes a week, to, okay, I'm gonna do a quick Google search to, in my area, finding one food item, okay? Just five minutes a week. You can make some really, really important discoveries. You can also, of course, our team at Paleo Valley, we are always sourcing regeneratively, wild pastures, always sourcing regeneratively. Go to somewhere like Eat Wild, do a quick search in your area and ask questions. We as consumers, we have the power and we can be the catalyst to all of these wonderful changes. We just have to be curious and willing to vote with our dollars. Yes, I love that. And you said something there that um, really hits home for me is, you know, we hear this term a lot, sustainable, 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 and that seems to be synonymous with ideal, but I don't think it is. Can you um, just touch on why sustainable is no longer sustainable? (laughs) Yes, I love this because our soil, like I said, 75% of our soil is degraded and sustainable means just like managing the status quo, right? So if we sustain what we have, it won't end well. What we have to do instead is regenerate. We have to take what we have now and make it better. And that is exactly why we need to be really invested in the choices that we're making when it comes to what we're eating. Thank you for bringing that point up. Sustainable is not the same as regenerative. And I love everyone out there looking for sustainable products, but it's time that we all step it up a notch because we have to. We have yeah. to go towards regenerative. That's such a beautiful reminder. We constantly say, and it's actually before dinner every single night, our um, sort of intention or purpose is, hey, Let's lift the collective vibration, the collective frequency of love in our controllable universe, making it better than how we found it. So we say it before dinner, we say it before we do anything. And that's the same way. Why would you, if that's our intention, why would we just say, let's leave love as we found it or worse, let's make it better. Let's push this thing uphill a little bit, leaving it better for others to jump in and and same that, that is as above, so below, right? That is in everything. Right. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I know it's an intimidating topic, but just by listening to interviews like this and just saying a few things and planting a seed, you don't need to know everything to be an advocate for this movement either. I just want to invite more people to feel confident that they know what they're talking about and just join the conversation too. Yes. And just inviting everyone who's listening right now. Um, we oftentimes say that like you, you can't change the world. One person, myself, Chase, Autumn, none of us can change the world, but we can start with our little corner of the world, our home, our life, our relationship. And if every single person did that, the world would change overnight. So there is this power but it, it, it involves us as individuals taking ownership and knowing that what I do matters. And if we all did that, there would be this collective raise and people would respond. Industry would respond. If money's at risk, they're going to respond. 
And it's not just money. It's actually our long-term health and the health of our children and their children. Um, I think having, again, reiterating, having some forward thinking and know that you're not only making decisions for yourself and your family right now, you're making decisions for your children and their children's children. Yeah, beautifully said. Um, thank you so much for being here and shedding light on this complicated and sometimes overwhelming topic of how do we save the earth? <laughs> and I, I think that, I think that you just gave us a lot of really great information and it's tangible and it's digestible, right? Um, pun intended. And everyone, we will definitely have a, a discount and link for you in the show notes. Please check out Paleo Valley. If you're in the, the Colorado or Phoenix area, check out Wild Pastures. And then we will also put a link to um, the companies that she mentioned, the search engines where you can find uh, regenerative farming uh, practices and meat products and all of that um, so that we can all do a little bit better. Once we know better, we can do better. And now y'all know better. <laughs> I love it. Thanks for having me. Um, so this last question that we ask everyone, and then we're going we're gonna to let you go and get on with your day and saving the, the world. Um, the medicine's mantra is disease prevention for body, mind, and relationships. What for you currently feels like medicine for your body? Mm, I love this. Um, we actually just moved and my husband, it's always been my dream to have a dance studio in my home because I grew up as a ballerina, my body just is, it, I am a different person when I'm able to move, when I'm able to dance. And so he, we created my little dance studio. And so I'm down there every day doing my thing. And that is my medicine for my body right now. Mm, I love that. That's so beautiful. Um, <laughs> probably runs into my next question, but what about for your mind? What feels like medicine for your mind right now? Right now, oh my goodness. Kind of related because it's in the same room, but I go into my infrared sauna daily and I meditate because the world is crazy. I think we all know that. <laughs> wow. And our kids, they're home all the time. Wonderful. You know, school was canceled yesterday, but I can always fall back on that like five to 20 minutes every single day in my sauna that I sit there and I just relax and I close my eyes and I try and think about nothing else. And it makes me much calm and more centered person. I'm not going to say I'm always calm and centered right now, but that definitely helps. That definitely helps. I love that. And lastly, what about for your relationship or relationships? What feels like medicine? Yes. I love this. One of my best friends yesterday, it's curiosity. Okay. Mm -hmm. One of my good friends, she has this autoimmune condition uh, where her diaphragm will actually seize up if she doesn't get enough oxygen. And so she went to the store yesterday. She didn't want to, usually her husband does the shopping. It was her son's birthday. She had to make cupcakes. She couldn't wear a mask. She really wanted to. Uh, she couldn't because it, literally she could pass out. She was attacked at the grocery store. Um, she was made to feel like a criminal. She actually left crying. And so for me, in a lot of areas, when we're living in close proximity to other people, having more curiosity rather than judgment. And just like this whole mask situation, wondering like, if you see someone and you're concerned, maybe asking like, why aren't you wearing a mask? And like what I've found living like in close relationship, like I said with everyone else, like, never assuming you understand someone, even if you live with them, even if you think you know everything, you can never necessarily understand their intentions. And so a posture of curiosity 
I think is always nourishing to my relationships. And I've definitely been working on that uh, in the last few months. It's helping a lot. Mm, you are inspiring me, Autumn. Thank you so <laughs> much. People out there, get curious. Life yes. is an adventure. It's a, life's a game. Why would you want to play it on easy? Dig into the hard stuff. Flip over the stones. There is magic everywhere. And uh, damn, I am I'm lifted up by you. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you for giving me this opportunity. You made it easy. You ask really awesome questions. Oh, I love it. Um, where can people connect with you and learn more about Paleo Valley and Wild Pastures? You can go to paleovalley.com and also wildpastures.com and you can email us our team at support at paleovalley.com or me directly. If you have a bone to pick, if you want to tell me something awesome, if you just want to connect, um, autumn at paleovalley.com is uh, right to me. <laughs> I love it. Love Thank you so much. Thank you yeah. for being here and inspiring us and the listeners. Um, just to do a little bit better every single day. And that really can have significant outcomes and results, not only in our life, but also for the world. So um, thank you so much. I know this is going to hit home for so many people. They're going to be inspired for you all listening. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, I hope you got a ton of value out of this and uh, go, go check out Paleo Valley and what, what Autumn and her husband are doing. It's truly amazing and, and we, we need it. It's not even just like, oh, it's cool. It's fun to hear about. We actually need it. So go support them and uh, check out the show notes for um, the link and discount code. Go spread some light. Have a beautiful week. We'll talk to you later. Bye.